Hey team, it's Syra. And this week, Megan and I are interviewing someone that I consider to be an icon in the podcasting world. It's the one and only Kinsey Grant. You might know her from when she was podcasting through Morning Brew at Business Casual. And she has ventured off on her own to start this incredible company called Thinking is Cool. I don't know that I'll ever do her justice in terms of an introduction. So without further ado, let's jump into this interview. Welcome to Girls Just Want to Have Fun, the weekly podcast that deconstructs the intimidating world of finance. Hosted by Syra Rahman, VP of Finance at HM Bradley, and her partner in crime, Megan McShane, a manager at a Fortune 100 company, and supported by StockTwits. Girls Just Want to Have Funds will take on the important questions in personal finance that so many of us avoid, but also take on a glass of wine or two. Learn more, subscribe to the show, and join Syra and Megan on their no-shame adventure to financial freedom at girlsjustwanna.com. Okay, everyone, we are here today with a gal who needs absolutely no introduction whatsoever, probably one of my dream interviews. We are with the wonderful Kinsey Grant. Kinsey, welcome to Girls Just Want to Have Funds. Thank you so much for having me. I am so thrilled to be here. Awesome. So we have a pile of questions, and if you're cool with it, Megan and I are just going to start firing. Absolutely. Fire away. Awesome. Okay. All right, Kinsey. Happy Saturday. I'm drinking coffee. We usually drink wine, but it's 1030 on the West Coast for me. So I'm going to drink my cold coffee over here. Are Perfect. you drinking anything today? I just had an Olipop, which is my new obsession. These healthy-ish sodas. Olipop. Olipop. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, usually I drink that. on Saturday too, but <laughs> not today. I wanted to be on my A game for you guys. Uh, yeah well if it makes you feel any better i am also not drinking i'm i'm drinking a zero sugar a and w root beer because i currently am unable to fast so uh this is my saturday morning all right (laughs) first question done that was an easy one let's jump into the next one so i would love to hear a little bit about your background in journalism kinsey like what drove you into this career path how did you start okay So like most children, I wanted to be a veterinarian for the first eight or so years of my life, at which point after those eight years, I realized absolutely not. It was too sad. So instead, I went into the news, which is, of course, never sad. But (laughs) I knew that I wanted to be a reporter from a very young age, which I recognize makes me incredibly lucky and very privileged to have had direction from a young age with knowing what I wanted to do. So I could, from high school forward, really take advantage of any opportunity put in front of me that might further my capacity for reporting or writing or creating. And so I did just that. I originally thought I was going to be an on-air TV anchor because in fourth and fifth grade, as a child, like 10 years old, I did our lower school's newscast. There was a newscast at my school, and that was my first on-air experience, and I was just hooked. I loved it. I loved every part of it. I loved being in front of the camera. I loved cracking jokes. I loved anchoring a show in my pajamas. Like It was just a great experience. It was obviously very formative for me. So after that, throughout the rest of my schooling, I was always trying to take classes that would prepare me in some way for a career in journalism. I actually got a business journalism degree, which is not a very common degree that you hear about, but it was really perfect for me. And luckily, I actually went to the same college as Kelly Evans, who is one of CNBC's 
greatest talents right now. She is incredible and so, so smart. And she created this major at my school. She wanted to do both business and journalism. So she created her own major. And then lucky alums like me could come after her and, and pursue the same thing. So I got to take a bunch of econ classes and business and accounting classes, along with the core journalism curriculum, which was really, really valuable to me. I think that the best way to become a reporter is just by being one. Um, and to get better at it, you just need a lot of practice. And while you can do that in the real world, and I know a lot of very successful journalists do just that, for me, it was really great to have that foundation through school that really prepared me, I think, to be a real world journalist instead of a journalist in a you know, town of 7,000 people in the middle of nowhere in Virginia. But it was great. And, and I was obviously still hooked, remain hooked to this day in the world of journalism. And I just love the opportunity that comes with it to speak to people you may never have spoken to or may never have had reason to speak to other than an assignment or a story or something that you're working on and to just learn new things. I think it's an incredible privilege that I get to come into work every day and not really have any idea what I'm going to be focused on for that day or what I'm going to learn that day. It's so cool to me that you kind of have to become a subject matter expert in so many different things as a journalist and it never gets boring to me. I remember my first job out of school, I was writing for Jim Cramer at the street. So learning everything I could about the stock market. And there were days when I would come in and have to learn everything about one specific company so that I could cover earnings at 4 p.m. And that's so cool. When else would I be able to do that? And the journalism career that I have has afforded that. So it's been incredible and I will continue to always be a reporter. It, it takes a little bit of a different shape today than it did when I first started or even that I expected it to take. But it keeps me on tenor hooks. You know, every day I'm excited to do what I'm doing, which is so cool to be able to say. I mean, it's so amazing. And I love that you say writer before journalist because I think that's so crucial to it. Both Syra and I write in our free time, even though we don't talk about it. I probably talk about it more, but she's an excellent writer as well. As you kind of look back through, you know, all of these stepping stones to get you to where you are now, do you ever think of like a piece that you wrote with just like so much admiration that you look back on that you're like, God, that was freaking awesome? Yes, there are a couple. And I, I think that a lot of journalists have experiences like this. I remember the first piece that I did that really made me feel like I was doing this for a living, that this could be my my real future, not just something that I was studying in school. It was actually my capstone for my journalism degree. We had this class called In-Depth Reporting, and it was exactly what it sounds like. It was the hardest class that you took in the entire curriculum as a journalism student. And of course, you have to take it at the very end of your senior year. But I did a project on women's health care. It was in Rockridge County. It's a county in Virginia notoriously bad healthcare, especially for women and for people of color. And I got to really dig into that world and I got to learn so much about the specific challenges that women face when trying to access care in a rural part of this country that I had never experienced myself. And I grew up where I could easily access healthcare and I moved to a city where I could easily access healthcare. You know, there's a doctor on every corner that takes my insurance. But in Rockbridge County, that wasn't always the case. And it was really impacting women's lives, the ways that they were planning their families, if they were even able to plan their families. And that was the first piece that really convinced me this is worthwhile. Like this is a career worth pursuing. I'm going to give it my all to ensure that I get to keep doing things like this, that I get to keep shining light on issues that maybe at this point, like half the population didn't really understand in Rockbridge County because it didn't impact them, but it did. They just weren't recognizing that it did. And that piece really, really convinced me that this was something I should keep doing and that I wanted to keep doing. And then of course, after that, there have been kind of here and there little pieces that you, you kind of 
I don't know, they take a little grip on your heart and you love doing them. You love talking to people. And I'm lucky that I got to take on something new with every episode of the podcast I used to host. But before I started doing that, I wrote a piece about concussions and concussion prevention in the NFL. And one way or another, I got put in touch with Brett Favre through one of my uncle's friends. And they were like starting this company that was trying to prevent long-term negative side effects of concussions for people who play football. And it was just so cool to learn about that and to see from at least Brett's like first-person perspective, how so many of his friends and even himself, they'd experienced such negative side effects and they wouldn't want their kids to play football. We're talking about one of the greatest football talents of modern history, not wanting his kids to play the sport that made him famous because he was afraid for their safety. And to hear that deeply personal side of this story that was a business story. We were talking about a startup, talking about biotech, but it was so personal. And I got to write it for Morning Brew and it was one of my first kind of in-depth pieces for Morning Brew. And it was just so fun to do and, and to see the reception too is the best part of a piece that you love to see that people love it just as much as you do or that they're just as engaged as you were in writing it is so gratifying. I love hearing that. And for what it's worth, I think that's wild as a huge football fan to hear people like Brett Favre saying they don't want their kids to go into football. I mean, man, we've got a long ways to go. I feel like in medicine, especially with football. Yeah. So you mentioned Morning Brew. I think a lot of us, both in podcasting land and in media in general, we look up to Morning Brew. They've obviously had a really beautiful story behind them. And I guess I was curious why you ended up choosing Morning Brew. Like what shifted you into that role? So like I said before, I worked for about a year after graduation for Jim Cramer at The Street, which was great in terms of a first job experience. You know, I got to cut my teeth. I got to understand market psychology. I got to make mistakes, which always will happen in your first job. The best advice I can give anyone is to go somewhere where you feel like it'll be okay to make a mistake because you will make one. But then I got to the point after about a year that I was ready for a little bit more creative freedom and even more so creative accountability. I felt that the stories I was writing were kind of just shouting into the void, not really speaking to an audience that felt like me or even felt close to me. I was writing for, honestly, old white dudes who were high net worth individuals, which was very much not what I was at age 23. So I I decided to start looking around. And as luck would have it, the very week that I kind of in my head made the decision that I was going to start looking for a new job, I got a LinkedIn message from one of the co-founders of Morning Brew asking if I was interested in having a conversation about coming on as a writer. I eventually said yes. And within three weeks, I was on the payroll, which was pretty crazy and a really, really rapid turnaround. But I had heard about Morning Brew before because in college, this was the thing that all of the the business dudes wanted to subscribe to. And they would always try and get their their referrals, right? So I had been a subscriber and I had been familiar with the product. And I just loved that it was so creative and it was so earnest about, and the product meaning the newsletter, the newsletter was so earnest in the fact that we're speaking to a young audience. Like we weren't trying to be anything that we weren't, you know, it was, it was genuine and it was authentic and it was young people writing for young people. And I loved that about it. And it was the most incredible experience. I met so many great people. I learned so much and it pushed me so hard, especially creatively to think differently, to, to think harder. And I think one of the most important lessons that I learned that I might've learned on the first day is this idea of the third thought, which has really impacted the way that I go about not only creating, but also just sharing information with people. The first thought 
probably everybody's thinking it. The second thought, maybe half the room or so is thinking it. But the third thought is typically where you find something that's really unique or really original or really impactful. And it's a method that a lot of comedians use, this idea of the third joke, that that's really what's going to surprise people with humor is this third thought instead of the first. But I think it could be applied to to any way of communication, You know, whether you're trying to make people laugh or make people cry or just make them think a little harder. That third thought is really what matters. And that governed a lot of what our content strategy was at Morning Brew. Try to be authentic, but try to do it in a way that surprises people. And I hate to be the person saying this, but surprise and delight them as much as you can, because that is what keeps people coming back. And that is is what kind of cemented our role in this media space as a company that might have a lot of potential, which it ended up being just that. So that was one of, of many lessons, but it has certainly been one I've taken with me. I'm going to go ahead and write third thought down for myself, and then I'm going to put a post-it right here. So on Monday, I have that. That yeah, is an amazing yeah. piece of advice that I yeah. wish I had Agreed. learned before this. But here we are. Okay, Kenzie, I got to ask you. Okay, so Morning Brew is kind of the new age newspaper. So when I think of like old age, I think of like tweed coats and everybody yelling at each other and writing down stuff. What did that room look like? Like, what were the vibes in that room when you guys were coming up with that content? I want to hear, like, I want to hear about that. The vibes were very strong. And I'm glad that you said room because in the early days, it was just that. It was a six-person WeWork office. So a small glass room, essentially, is where we built the core of this product. It was incredible. I mean, to come in, I was the fifth employee now, I think Morning Brew is close to 100 employees, and, and the company has obviously evolved and changed a ton since then. But to be that early and to have that experience of helping build products that I never would have expected to at such a young age was an incredible opportunity and an incredible privilege that I'm grateful for all the time. But it was just – it was fun. You know, it was, it was the good parts of startup culture when people are really, really driven to create things and they are accountable for their actions and they're trying to help every team that they can – I remember one of my first couple of months on the job, obviously I was writing a newsletter. It was me and one other person writing this newsletter. So not a lot of extra time in the day when there's only two people writing for a group of, at that time, several hundred thousand readers. But one of the first questions was, what else are you interested in? How else do you want to help out the company? What could you possibly contribute to that is outside of your more traditional job description of newsletter writer? And I think that's such an incredible way to approach a growing team, to know that positions are not necessarily static. They're not permanent. You can change. You can evolve. You can find things that you're really good at that maybe you had no idea you were good at. And I loved in the startup world that that was kind of the norm, that you could be a writer who also was really interested in growth marketing. And so you would sit with the growth marketing team one afternoon and just see what they did and see if it was interesting to you. And that's amazing. How else are you going to get experience? And, and it's good. I think that part of startups is, is really great because you don't get pigeonholed in this one track of a career. You can evolve. You can try new things. And that was amazing. And it was a fun time, those early days. I look back on them very fondly. Do you wish you had a tweed hat, like a little? Do you have yeah, one? Yeah, for sure. Okay, right I don't on. have like... one. I actually did <laughs> used to have a tweed hat. <laughs> I don't have one anymore, but no, I have I have about a million. I think the equivalent today for media startups is other companies' merch. So from working in a is. WeWork, I think I have about like a hundred cotton t-shirts with just <laughs> logos of now defunct startups. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I actually that resonated so deeply with me, Kinsey, because I one of the cool parts of working at the startup that I work at is that I do get to sit with the growth team, which coming from the traditional finance world was we didn't have 
a growth team, you know, right. at a bank or really anywhere on a derivatives trade desk. So I, really? it's been- There's no growth yeah, team on derivatives trade desk? Yeah. You know, who would have thought our growth tended to come directly from the market at that point in institutional <laughs> sales? Yeah. It was a totally different planet and honestly, a huge learning experience for me. So shout out to my growth team if you guys are listening. But you moved from Morning Brew, well, you left Morning Brew- Pretty quickly. And I guess the big question, and I know you've been talking about it a little bit on your social media already. And by the time this episode comes out, you will have launched your first episode for what I believe the entity is called as Thinking is Cool. And I, I'm yes. so excited to kind of hear the framework and how that started and what what that idea was. Oh, yes. I'm excited to share. So yes, it's called Thinking is Cool. This is a podcast, but also a newsletter and uh, social media and all of that good stuff. I I hate using the word franchise because it sounds so outdated, but it's a a media community, right? We're meeting people in several different ways. Podcast is the first way that we're doing that. And Thinking is Cool is just based entirely on this idea that conversations are important and we want people to have better conversations. So really the main goal with every episode, every newsletter, every everything is to ensure that your next conversation is better than your last conversation. And we're doing that by taking on some of these really big and burdensome at times issues in a way that's fun and approachable and honest and sincere. You know, we recognize that there are a lot of questions in the world right now, whether that's climate change or big tech antitrust or women's role in the workplace and they need conversation to move the ball forward, right? We need to take the time to sit and recognize other perspectives and to recognize what we might be able to do and also to recognize when we can't do anything. Um, I think that's important too. And and what we're doing with Thinking is Cool is facilitating those conversations in a podcast and then hoping that the community takes the responsibility themselves to continue those conversations because they are important. They do need to be had and sometimes they're not easy to have, certainly. But if I can do it, anyone can. So this is what I've been working on for the past, I don't know, couple of months now. I quit my job at Morning Brew in March of 2021. And then Thinking School launched about two months later, which is a quick turnaround, but one that I was so excited to, to pull off just because there are so many opportunities out there right now, I think, especially for independent creators that really encourage me that this was the time to do it. And of course, other circumstances, right? I was at the point in my life where I could take a risk and I don't really have a ton of responsibilities other than keeping myself fed. But it, it was just so encouraging to see so many creators going independent and seeing that they really could create communities around the content that they're making. And I wanted to do that. I wanted to own my product. I wanted to feel that I had more ownership over what I was creating. And I do think that my work has gotten better since I've taken that step, since I have taken that ownership. And I, I'm sure a lot of other creators can kind of relate, but I'm not saying there's no room for this corporate world, right? It, it exists for a reason. And for some people, that's exactly where you should be. But for someone like me, the idea of doing it independently and doing it for myself was so compelling that it was more compelling than staying at a high potential, high growth startup, right? So that was kind of the decision and and the motivations behind that decision. But it's been so much fun and, and obviously very challenging, but so rewarding. And it's made me stop and think quite a lot, which is kind of the goal with all of this, right? That's so cool. So can you give us a little sneak preview? Like what are some of the topics you guys are going to cover? Yes. So we have identified in our humble opinions, we meaning I'm the host and like the face of the show, but my co-founder Josh Kaplan 
who I would be completely lost without. He does the business stuff and is my sounding board. We have identified what we think to be 10 of the biggest issues that this generation will face or that we should be talking about right now. They're not the only 10. There are going to be a lot more. This is just season one. But some of them that I'm really excited about, number one, I cannot wait to make this episode, the girl boss fallacy. So I have a lot of beef with this idea that Women have to be bosses or, you know, like hard asses or bad asses to get anything done that we have to assume this kind of different personality to be respected in the workplace. I hate it. I think it's stupid. I think it's not doing anybody any favors. And so I'm going to make this episode essentially talking about the role of women in the workplace throughout history and where it goes from here and why we have fallen into this trap of this, I don't know, commoditized and so capitalism-driven kind of idea of a girl boss. And I I hate it. And I want to figure it out. I want to figure out why that exists. I want to figure out what we can do to make it better, to make the workplace feel more inclusive for women, but also for other marginalized groups, women of color, people of color, non-binary people. How can we make the workplace more inclusive for everybody? That's just one of them. There's another one I'm very excited about that is about whether or not Facebook is actually as bad as we have made it out to be. I've spent a lot of time a lot of airtime talking about how much of a you know a scourge on society Facebook is and like Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> is like a lizard alien who is destroying democracy in the United States. But at the same time, without these big tech platforms, I probably wouldn't have a whole lot of people to talk to. Right? You know, it's there are sure. positives that go along with these negatives. And I want to have a nuanced conversation about whether or not that is is it good or bad? Is, is Facebook a net good or a net bad for civilization on the whole? And then, you know, a lot of other really, really exciting ideas like doing kind of like a barstool case study of working for a morally questionable company. Climate change. Can we actually do anything as individuals or is the onus on corporations? And th- those are just a couple. But big conversations that probably need a lot of conversation to happen after you hear this first episode is kind of what we're going for here. But I'm very excited about it. And I've started doing interviews well, the day that we're recording this. I've, I've done a couple already. And it's just so cool. It's so much fun to start from nothing and to be able to build it as we want. Ugh. I know Sai thinks the same, but we applaud you in this. That taking a risk is huge. Yes. Both Sai and I talk about, you know, what risks are we going to take? We had a past episode where Sai asked me some hard-hitting questions about my finances and asked me kind of, what are some of your goals like one in five years? In five years, one of my goals was to start my own business. So now that you have done that, what is some of the advice like looking back over these couple of months that you would give yourself or give somebody else, both from like a financial perspective and also like just mental capacity? Yeah, I think so. Mental, I'll start with mental. Everything will get done when it needs to get done. I have a bad habit of really putting the cart before the horse and it often comes back to bite me in the butt, you know, that things will get done. Don't try to rush the process. Take it step by step. Take it day by day. You're going to have some long days and some hard days and it's going to suck sometimes, but everything will get done the way that it needs to get done in due time as long as you put in the work and you recognize that priorities exist. There are certain things you need to prioritize. One day I might not be able to do an interview because I need to figure out how to get healthcare, And that's just the reality of the situation. And then number two, and this is kind of mental and from a financial perspective, I would say, Find somebody who can compliment you, compliment you with an E, not 
tell you you're cool, right? Like somebody who compliments your shortcomings, those are their their strengths. And that's what I found with Josh. And we were lucky that we met each other at Morning Brew. We built Business Casual, the podcast that I hosted at Morning Brew. We built that together. We did other newsletters together. We knew that we worked really well together. But I think in creating this company from nothing, we have really come to recognize that we kind of fill in the holes that the other person has in a really complimentary way. He knows Excel. I don't. And he knows how to have a conversation with a lawyer and account. And that's not my strength. And I I recognize that. I own it. I know that my strength is writing and hosting podcasts and creating content. And Josh respects that. And I respect his strengths as well. And so we found a way to work together really effectively. I would say if you're ever thinking about starting a business, it's hard to do it alone. It can be done. A lot of people have done it successfully. But I found that finding somebody who can be the partner in crime and help you out and give you direction and just be someone to talk to has been really, really valuable in my experience. I love hearing all of that. I mean, Megan isn't fully cognizant of this, perhaps, but technically we have started our own business together. She's right. (laughs) She's totally right. But I love hearing that because I actually agree with you, Kinsey. I think one of the biggest things is finding people that compliment you. And, And it sounds like you guys have found a really great match, which makes me so excited for all of the things you're going to be doing in the in the future. Thank you. So couple fun questions now, if you don't mind. This one's one that I've been pondering because I always, I listen to you interview all these incredible people on Business Casual, and I'm sure we'll hear more interviews potentially in the future from Thinking is Cool. But I guess if you could interview anyone in the world, who's your dream interview or have you already interviewed them? I would say, so I have like a list of a couple people I would really love to speak to. Number one is Jack Ma. I just think it would be so interesting. And I, I'm always kind of craving – I'm fully cognizant of the fact that I'm creating for a very much like Western consumer, Western in like the world, right? But I would love to get the perspective and to open people's eyes a little bit more to like the Eastern perspective on business. I find it so interesting and in, in the way that he has created an empire, right? <laughs> Right. Funny joke, Kinsey. (laughs) But I think that it it would be really interesting to hear his own words. And then I've always wanted to talk to Carly Kloss. I just find her endlessly interesting also. I've tried and failed to get her on the show a couple of times, but I'm not giving up. It'll happen someday. Yeah, just keep saying her name, Carly, if you're listening. Carly, I know. I'm like, yell it into my phone. Maybe Siri can pull some strings or something. Yeah. Also, like Bob Iger from Disney. I would love to understand his perspective on leadership and diversifying a company so skillfully. But yeah, you know, if anybody, I will talk to anyone. I will talk to a brick wall. (laughs) I I love talking to people. So it's just kind of whatever the, the yellow phone book of like business leaders and idols. Anybody. I'll take anyone. Love that. Love hearing that. I was going to say, like, what about like Oprah? Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. I would be so scared, but it would be so incredible. Like, I would be so nervous. I can just imagine how much my hands would be shaking before that started. But she's built an incredible business and she has such a skill in getting people to open up. Like, I've always looked up to her for obvious reasons, given my line of work. But it would be so interesting to hear her perspective in her own words. Ooh, that's another good question. Who would be the scariest person to interview besides Oprah? Like that you would be the most like scared about. And you could take scared however you want. Okay. So I've thought about this a lot. (laughs) This is a little rogue. I am very interested in the music industry for a lot of reasons. But number one, I think it is such an interesting case study and a lot of different examples for ownership over a product that you create. 
it's probably does not come as a surprise to either of you that I am an enormous Taylor Swift fan. And I I think that the <laughs> strides that she has made, especially for women in owning the product that you create and being able to participate in the upside of that product, it's incredible. And it should not be discounted in any way. I made a couple of episodes in a past life about the music industry and was thinking, I just want Scooter Braun on the show. Like I want to have it out with Scooter Braun. And I didn't do that, but I thought, how nervous I would be going in. Like, I'm not a very confrontational person. My neck breaks out in hives whenever I have to get in like a confrontation with somebody. And I was thinking how nervous I would be to have Scooter Braun on the show, but that I would be so motivated by my love for Taylor Swift and like (laughs) this idea of ownership that like maybe I would be able to like stand up to him and like puff my chest and I don't know, pull it off. But the thought was very nerve-wracking. So I imagine actually doing it would be equally as nerve-wracking. So maybe it's it's less the people who are like titans of business and more the people who I disagree with, <laughs> like fundamentally disagree <laughs> with you. I would be really nervous because I wouldn't want to leave anything on the table. So like Scooter mm. Braun, I don't know, past presidents, <laughs> you know. <laughs> past presidents would be, would be scary for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I mean, now meeting you, you have so much confidence. No one would know. Like you just wear a turtleneck. You You know what I mean? Like no one would know. Yes. (laughs) I'm a big believer in purposeful turtlenecks. When I quit my job, I wore a turtleneck because I was, it was like, I knew it was going to happen. I knew what I was dealing with. But what a leap of faith to quit your full-time job and and go in like all in for yourself. That, that's kind of where I was getting to. I I forgot Sarah and I did start a business. We're we're talking on our business right now, Mm -hmm. but it's not our full-time thing. Yes, we would love it to be our full-time thing, but neither of us is in a space to do that. Mm -hmm. Like what was your tipping point? What was like, it's now or never sort of a thing? Yeah. So part of the answer is a little like idealistic and part of it is just realistic. The idealistic part of it is I'd always wanted to do this for, you know, the last several months I had been stewing over this idea of going independent motivated and and encouraged by a lot of very well-known journalists who had been doing something similar to a lot of success. And I had always kind of toyed with the idea. Josh and I had kind of gotten together and like we we each danced around the idea of going independent enough that finally we had it out and had the conversation. And then we didn't do anything, honestly, for a couple months. We sat on the idea and didn't do anything because we were a little scared. We didn't know what the future would hold. We didn't know what it was going to be like. And then luckily, I don't know. Maybe it was fate. Maybe it was just good timing. Morning Brew got sold. So I got a small, small, small sliver of the upside of that deal. Not as large as I would have liked it to be. That's would be if anybody takes advice from this episode, it's always ask for more equity. But I got a little bit that was, you know, not a nest egg, but comfort for a couple of of weeks if I had to go without a paycheck. And that was honestly the tipping point for me. I stayed on after the deal happened for a couple of months just to see through projects and to see what the future of the company might look like. And at the end of the day, I had to kind of weigh the pros and cons and, and how much I was compelled to leave versus how much I was compelled to stay. And despite where the company was going and the direction, everything looked good. It was just too compelling not to leave. So I did. And it's worked out so far. And I'm very happy that I did. It's obviously, you know, I'm, I'm a person who kind of thrives in like a structured environment. And this is the opposite of that. But I'm figuring it out as I go. And I'm lucky to have a roster of really smart people to ask questions to, which has been super, super helpful and important as we build this out. Just knowing what you don't know is the first step. And step two is asking people who do. <laughs> I'm sure you read this article in the New York Times. So it was YOLO economy. Yeah, it was yeah. about, right? I've never had something resonate with me more in the New York Times where I was like, oh, I'm feeling the sense of like, 
We've been confined for so long because of the pandemic. I imagine you're a type A like both of us. Like we're mm-hmm. like we love structure. Yes. I love to know I get a paycheck every two weeks. But what else is missing? Like what are my unmet needs? And so it's kind of this revolution that's happening. And I told you before we started recording, I mean, watching your video last night about this is cool. I was like, wow, I'm so inspired that like people are actually doing this and jumping off the edge and being like, I don't actually know what's going to happen, yeah. but like it's going to be freaking cool. So yeah, I appreciate that. I'm glad to hear of that. Of course. No. Yeah. I think you're the first of many people that are like about to go into this new environment that is a workplace and really change it up. So yeah, that's the roaring hope. 20s. And- here we come. Exactly. And I think that the idea of a traditional like nine to five job is not necessarily going to be the norm. And I say this as somebody who has had to convince two skeptical parents and several family members that this was the right idea. <laughs> like the idea that a lot of, you know, like my generation's parents had is you work somewhere and that's your career and you stay right. there for decades. And my sister 100%. and I both are not in that position. You know, I, this is my, I guess, technically third job in four or so years of working. And it's weird. It's not traditional by any sense, but I think it will be. I think that this will be the norm someday that people are doing things on their own terms and doing things for themselves. And that's cool. It's awesome to me. I love it. Kenzie, I am so grateful that you came on here to share this insight and really help a lot of our listeners who, for what it's worth, are primarily female. And I know a lot of people, including Megan and I, have thought about starting our own business. So I'm hoping that this advice encourages those of you that are thinking about taking the risk to jump and take the risk because this is like one of those stories that I'm so excited to follow because just watching you flourish at Morning Brew and now getting to see you take off on your own. And all of these ideas sound so interesting. I guess my last question for you is if anyone's looking for you, where can they find you, whether it's online or on social media? Yes. Almost everywhere you can find me. So I, I write a Substack <laughs> newsletter right now. Well, right now it's Substack. Eventually this will be the newsletter product for the podcast. But www.kinsey.fm, if you want to keep up with all of my work, that's a good place to start. I am on Twitter at Kinsey Grant, on Instagram at Kinsey R. Grant. And my email is Kinsey at thinkingiscool.com. And I would love to hear from people if you guys have questions or feedback or ideas or anything, I will do my very best to respond. So reach out. Love to hear from you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's all I had, Megan. Did you have any other questions left for Kinsey? No, I'm just so excited you made this introduction and what an amazing interview because Kenzie, I have so many ideas that we can talk about offline. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Slide into the DMs as the youth say. But thank you guys so much for having me. This is is so much fun. I love what you're doing and I'm just as excited to watch what you guys built this into as well. So thank you for having me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kenzie. We will definitely be in touch. And if you guys are looking for Kenzie, we will keep all of her information on our website. So feel free to check out girlsjustwanna.com and we'll list all of Kenzie's contact info there for you. All right. Well, Meg, are you ready to add it up, my dear? Yes, I totally am. I'll take this one. Okay. 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 And then you add it up for me. After I add it up. (laughs) Okay. What an amazing interview. What an introduction you made to Kenzie Grant, who is, my God, I'm so excited to see what else she can do with thinking is cool because she is so cool. (laughs) But I love being able to hear her, her origin story. Everyone we bring on the podcast is a hero in their own regard and their own life. And wow, what a hero she's been for journalism so far. I think she was so brave to transparently talk about 
you know, the woes of taking a huge risk and what that takes, even trying to convince your parents that this is a sensible decision. And yes, I might not have medical insurance for a little bit, but it's worth it in the long run. (laughs) How did you feel about her? How did you feel about this interview? I mean, I felt so many things. You know this, and so do a lot of my friends, as does Nick. I look up to Kinsey. I think that she is one of the voices of our future, genuinely one of the voices of women now and really in the future. But I've watched her really progress. I've listened to every single one of those business casual episodes, even some of the crappier people she had to interview. And I am so excited for her future. I'm so excited about the things that she's building. So I'm pumped to just follow behind her and see the things that she's doing. But more importantly, I love the voice that she does provide for women out there. And it's both in terms of taking risks and starting a business. I gleaned a lot of really interesting little details from her about how to start a business and some of the things that she's doing. It cut deep when she talked about her parents that weren't too excited about her jumping ship. I mean, that that is, that's my parents. That's your parents. Every time I tell my parents I want to do something new, they push back on me, you know, but I'm so grateful that we have women like her that are doing this cool stuff and talking about it and talking about it publicly. I mean, she is building an empire publicly right now. And I, I don't know, I'm a huge stan. We all know this. And I'm also like now just excited for her future. I really am too. I'm also excited. You know, we are talking about finances, not as much today, but because of the work we've done, like having a nest egg makes it a little bit easier to even start thinking about these decisions, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I might not have medical insurance for a little bit, you know, I'll stay in my bubble, but you know, at least I have a financial backing. So that's just one less thing I can worry about. And I think that's important too. That was something that she highlighted and emphasized. And, you know, I thought it was really fascinating when she said that. I don't know how much she's listened to of our podcast, but I thought it was something that's worth underscoring too, for sure. There's something to be said. Everyone that starts a company, you start from nothing, but having that nest egg in the back of your mind is certainly helpful. So, Well, lots to gleam from today. I really like this episode. It was really great. I just want to rewind time and just like pick her brain a little bit more. I almost (laughs) wish we had had more time with her. It was so good. Well, Megan, should we wrap it up? Should we call it a day? Let's call it a day. All right. Well, love you, boo. This was another epic episode. Love you too. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Head on over to girlsjustwanna.com where you can subscribe to the show follow Megan and I on social, or even text us your important financial questions. And remember, there's no shame in asking anything. We'll see you next time on Girls Just Want to Have Funds.